All right, you're now tuned in to the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 309. The trade deadline is over. The Clippers and Lakers did absolutely nothing. Kobe finally gets his statue, and Drew only wants one player off the waivers. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, give me some intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 309. Drew, your boy, your boy Clips is uh severely under the weather right now. You know, I don't I don't get sick much, maybe once every three years. Uh, I got my hoodie on right now. I am I am not doing well. But you know what? Michael Jordan had a flu game. Amen. Drew. So Clips is gonna have a flu pod today. Yeah, and if it wasn't such an important podcast for us to do, because the highly anticipated <laughs> trade deadline is finally over, and I couldn't be more upset about it, like it was the most anticlimactic, uh, underwhelming trade deadline I've ever been a part of in my life. And we're going to start with our two teams first because the team. This is why I'm pissed, Drew. This is why I'm pissed. You and I have spent hours upon hours on this show this season. Season seven of the follow through with clips and drew talking about trade scenarios, especially for the Lakers, not so much the Clippers, but mostly for the Lakers. You and I both have come up with great ideas, great trade scenarios for the Lakers to do. We have to go through LeBron's cryptic a tweet with hourglasses thinking, holy shit, the whole <laughs> team's about to get fired. And then what happens? Crickets. And Rob Polinka comes out. They finally ask Rob like, hey, why, why were you guys dormant? during a trade deadline and his answer, which I did not like at all. He's like, you know what? You can't buy a house if a house isn't for sale. And I'm like, okay, Rob, that's like the dumbest. You can buy a house. If it's you not absolutely for sale. can, that happens all the time. You know how that happens? Negotiation and working and, and, and uh, trying to get what you want to make your team better. So I don't, I'm not even a Laker fan, but that, that pissed me off. So let's start with the Lakers first doing nothing. How does that make you feel? Uh, a lot of emotions in watching the trade deadline countdown clock tick to zero without a single move being done by these Lakers. And yes, I feel like I've, we've wasted our breath. We've wasted hours of our life that we'll never be able to get back talking about scenarios of guys that honestly clips. I want to say like 80%, even, even higher of the guys that moved during this deadline, even though it was a very underwhelming, no big names kind of a trade deadline. We talked about 80% of the guys that moved for the Lakers and zero of them ended up on my team. So I'm glad we're starting here because I, I don't want to go through each one of these items as we go through each trade that's broken down and be like, by the way, this is a guy the Lakers should have got all pretty much every single guard and wing that was traded during this trade deadline is somebody I would have loved to see the Lakers involved with. And while we did not have any big name trades, like this trade deadline really is for the dedicated NBA fans. It was so many little moves. You know, obviously there were some big winners that we'll get into that are not the Lakers and Clippers for the trade deadline day. But it, this this trade deadline in particular is only for the fans of the NBA that actually really give a shit. They really care because nothing big, technically, quote unquote, big happened. Um, but for the Lakers to be absolutely stagnant and stay at zero moves uh, was super frustrating. 
So um, my my key takeaways and and <laughs> spending all this time, like this whole week, I was like fired up to see what we were going to do. And I knew we were going to make something happen. Um, and I was practicing to- how to spell DeJounte. Because I could never spell it. I'm like, he's DeJounte Murray will be a There's Laker. a J in there. Yeah. Right. You got to be careful with that J. Um, but but my big takeaway is is I am jealous of the Knicks. And this is the first time I've ever actually said this out loud. It's the first time I felt this as a fan. I'm super jealous of the moves that the Knicks made during this trade deadline. They are making fantastic moves. We'll get into that, I'm sure. Yes. But I left it, I left it being like, what the fuck? Like, why aren't we the ones that are going in for Bogdanovich? So I'll just list. The guys now, just right now, quickly, I'm going to get it out of the way so that I can get get through it. And then we'll we'll have a bipartisan, completely, you know, unbiased take on on the trades moving forward. But guys that were traded that I would love to have seen the Lakers be in for uh, Buddy Heald. Yeah. Mentioned his name once or twice, maybe even once or twice every every single podcast as or every single season that we've done. I've mentioned Buddy Heald. He was name. supposed to be a Laker last season. Him and Miles Turner were coming. Four years ago, he was supposed to be a, a Laker, I feel like. Uh, Kelly Olenek mentioned him. Uh, Gordon Hayward has been brought up on this podcast. Uh, Bogdanovich, of course. Seth Curry, also traded, also brought up on this podcast. Dennis Schroeder, Patrick Beverly, Doug McDermott, and Joe Harris is waived. So I'm going to end it at Joe Harris. But those are the guys that actually moved during this trade deadline. And all of those I would have considered very strong options to help our team out even if there were small moves like we're talking about. Doug McDermott going for a fucking second rounder and Marcus Morris, give me a goddamn break. Mm-hmm. Joe Harris is waived, and this is why I stopped here. Joe Harris is waived. If we do not figure out a way to get Joe Harris on the Lakers in the next 24 hours, I will be irate and completely confused and befuddled about what we're actually trying to get done this season. So that's where I stand with it. I named all the guys. That's like majority of the trades, by the way, what I just rattled off. Uh, but obviously the, those guys were pieces within these moves, uh, all of which I would have been happy to see the Lakers uh, bring on. And so my last hope and how I'll close my reactions from the Lakers is, is twofold. Number one, Joe Harris got to be a Laker. We got to figure that out. Number two, staying stagnant in this may have been a power play against the King LeBron James. Uh, in this instance, typically teams will fold under the pressure that LeBron applies to them. And this arm wrestling contest seems like Rob Palinka ended up winning. Jeannie Buss, the whole Lakers organization, ended up winning. No firing of Darvin Ham yet. Probably means we're going to stick with Darvin for the rest of the season. No moves at all. Uh, and I think that maybe the, the, the nail in the coffin is what happened this last week. The Boston Celtics game where LeBron and AD pretty much decide to sit out together in unison and and essentially show Darvin Ham, show the front office, Palinka, Jeannie Buss, the ownership group, how bad this team is. And then that team comes out and fucking laces the goddamn Celtics. Austin, Austin Reeves has the game of <laughs> the season for himself. D'Lo was cooking. Everybody was having a fantastic... And then we also roll... In and beat the Knicks, although they're they're banged up, right? No, no OG, OG Ananobi, no Julius Randle in that game. But what happened this last week may have been the the nail in the coffin for Rob Palinka to go. You know what? Nah, fuck this. We're not making any trades. I'm standing on what I built, right? Because his his reputation is on this. Rob Palinka's reputation is on the line here by saying, no, no, no. We I signed these guys. I think this team is a winning team. I'm going to back myself, and I'm going to back the guys that I signed. And you're going to have to fucking figure it out. 
So that's where I feel like we are right now. I'm def I'm definitely unhappy that we didn't make a move. But in the same time, I am a little bit, I have a little smirk on my face that we did not kowtow to LeBron in this moment. We didn't make any panic trades. We didn't right. let Austin Reeves go right. on a, you know, 75 cents to the dollar kind of a deal where we're getting 75 cents back to what, you know, our dollar is going out. So I am happy in that sense, but I am, I am desperately upset that because I definitely think we could have, we could have increased our chances at actually making a run this year. And I don't think we, we have what it takes right now to, to win a championship. We have, we have what it takes to maybe repeat exactly what we did last year and fall short to the Denver, Denver Nuggets. Because if you watch that Lakers-Nuggets game right at the end of the trade deadline, it was a repeat of the series that we just played out in the Western Conference Finals. So we're good enough to do that. And I still think we have that in the tank. But we're not going to beat Denver in a seven-game series. We're not going to beat Boston in a seven-game series. We're not going to beat the Clippers in a seven-game series. And there's no fucking way. So it is what it is at this point. And the season, to me is lost unless this whole group can pick themselves up and rock and roll. And, you know, Vando's down now with uh, possibly have surgery. I don't know if he got the surgery yet, but whatever on his foot, he's going to be reevaluated. I don't right. think I don't think they're going to do surgery for him this year if they can avoid it. If they uh, can, but the, what they said is they're pessimistic about him returning this season. And that's a big that's a big due to have missing for the rest of the season and a guy that we can't trade who couldn't trade right. this year, which is another reason we probably should have made some sort of move right right but you know also you and i follow the whole trade deadline a lot and it just didn't seem like the lakers were active with any of these guys that you're bringing up and no i don't think uh gordon hayward pushes the needle or anything like that but they weren't even like active and then they yep. come out immediately and say oh well the reason why we we weren't active is because now we're going to make a play for donovan mitchell we really think we're going to get donovan mitchell next year the bread's going to be right and it's like okay well lebron's gonna be another year older anyways i would have been frustrated if i was a laker fan on the other side with the clippers i was shocked i even texted you during the day i'm like did pj move yet like the fact that PJ didn't move, nothing with bones, and then PJ comes out and he's frustrated on his story, saying that this is a fucking joke. And it's like, okay, but you know what? Maybe there's no buyers for you, PJ. I'm sure we've been trying to ship you for months, but there's not a market for a 39 year old, small, slow guy that can't shoot right now. <laughs> like it's just there's no market for it. And I understand he's pissed off, but like we gave him a shot when he when we brought him over here. We gave him 12 games. And the Clippers lost eight of those 12 games, including the first six, six consecutively when we were playing PJ. Um, in his last six games, he went scoreless in 79, 79 minutes while compiling more fouls, 14, than rebounds. So it's like, Ty, I'm glad Ty noticed that. He just doesn't fit with us, right? I'm sure he could be... Uh, it can contribute on another team somewhere else. We we know this isn't going to work, not with us, especially, you know, he lost that role. We tried out Kobe Brown for a minute. Kobe stopped shooting so well. So then we bring Amir in, Amir Coffee, the Folger soldier. And now that's the guy. Yep. Amir, we figured it out. He's the guy. He's the, the rotational player. But like uh, the PJ also has a player op next year for 11-5 that he's going to take. He's going to be 40. You know, so it's not it's not a great contract that somebody wants to take on. And I'm actually kind of shocked that he that we didn't find a suitor for him. And he's probably going to be pissed off for the rest of the year. Now, I do think there's a world where in the playoffs we might be able to use PJ at some point. You know what I mean? Like 
Uh, yeah, if you go up against the Warriors or if you go up against one of the small ball teams, even mm -hmm. even when OKC decides to go small or something like that, he, he certainly could provide some sort of same thing with Bones. Both of those guys could provide some influx. And also just just saying this, too, if you guys are still top of the West or, you know, amongst the top seeds in the West, like you are right now at the end of the year and you got, let's just say, the last 10 games of the season. I would be putting PJ and Bones in the lineup to rest guys, right? right? Like let's let's make sure Harden doesn't roll an ankle. Let's make sure that Kawhi and PG are adequately ready to go. So I, even in those moments, and if that's all it is, might be worth keeping them on. But it's but still, Drew, like it's a wasted player's uh, roster spot for us in playing. If PJ is not going to do anything to make it, you have to be able to shoot on this team for sure. Like the the, the amount of look, I mean, everybody. Everybody's looking for shooters. Nobody's looking for like a PJ Tucker right now. I don't think to actively throw into their starting lineup or their sixth, seventh man right now. I just don't see it. You have to be shooting. Do you see the scores that are that that these teams are putting up? Clippers have put up a hundred by the third quarter in nine games this year. Yeah. We're dropping 150 in four quarter games, not even OT. So like you have to be able to shoot. And it's just not working with our team. I, I I'm I'm more sad for Bones. Uh, that we couldn't find him a place. Um, and I'm sure we'll, I don't know how it's going to work, but on the other side, it's like, PJ, sorry, we couldn't move you. You now have the easiest job and the easiest paycheck in the NBA right now. Just stay ready. Uh, keep being the good locker room guy. Right. And at one point, maybe we'll be able to bring you in, but we're not, he's not even getting into games, Drew. Like he, it, like zero, like yeah, bones yeah. will get bones. will get trash minutes at least. I'm sure PJ and T Lou probably had a conversation like, Hey, do you want to get in at the end of games? And PJ prideful dudes probably like, nah, bro, I don't want fucking garbage minutes. Right. I want to contribute. Let the rookies and the youngsters get out there in garbage time. Yeah. Because he doesn't want to be that guy. And I, I, I respect that. Mm -hmm. And there might be a, a, a playoff team or a championship. Team. I just can't believe we didn't find one suitor to take him on. Like, no. Right. And I do think, I think you're right in identifying that's more about the market than about maybe anything else. Right. About about lack of desire for the Clippers to find him a location, destination to go to. It does feel like, you know, he's so small. This has been the other side about PJ. That's been incredible to see him have the level of success that he's had in his career is he's so freaking tiny. Right. For the role that he plays. And when he's not, you know, when he was at his best, his elite best in those years in in Houston and, in in, you know, the little stint there in Milwaukee, he was the toughest guy on the floor. And was strong enough, athletic enough to go up against guys that were significantly taller than him and would deliver the the corner three at, you know, at one point, the highest rate in the NBA, right? At one point, he was the guy from the corner three. But this is what happens, man. I mean, that's why LeBron, what LeBron is doing is still so, you know, mind boggling in its own sense. It's like just out, outrageous that LeBron is the same age as this guy. or He's older than PJ yeah. and, and the contrast. But it does feel like. You know, it had PJ come in and just started lacing corner threes. You guys would have had a lot of problems trying to put him on the bench, but yeah. it made the decision a lot easier for PJ for 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 Ty Lu to say, PJ, we can't. I mean, bro, if you're if you're gonna be not as a, not as athletic and not you know laterally quick enough to guard the guys that are your size, mm -hmm. and then you're also not going to hit the corner three, 
what, what, are, we, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> so, what are we doing? Because the thing is, is Terrence Mann is the one doing that now. Terrence Mann is taking all the shots from the corner, shooting really well right now, 40%. Uh, he, he and he does more on defense. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, hands in the lane, all He's that. He's three shit. inches taller than PJ Tucker for crying right. out loud. Terrence right. Mann. So this isn't a knock on PJ. It's no. just, it, it, it's in order for us to get James Harden, we had to take on PJ's contract. We gave him a shot to see if it was going to work. He played a lot in those first, in those first 12 games. You gave and him a good look at it for sure. Had to. And then, you know, it's kind of reminds me of like, uh, was it last year with Marcus Morris where he just kept the guy was so bad for us yep. and we just kept playing him and kept playing him and kept playing him. At least Ty Lue noticed this and be like, all right, this is not going to work. Terrence, man, you got to get healthy with your foot or whatever that is, you know, and let's, let's see what Kobe Brown can do. So uh, I, I'm just a little, a little shocked because the Clippers and Lawrence Frank are very active during this time. Normally, you know, this has been the most, uh, the, 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 the quietest we've been since like 2016 during a trade deadline. And um, it's got to piss piss uh, PJ off a little bit. Maybe that's what the story post was about. Like, this is a fucking joke. But when you sit back and look at it, like, okay, dude, like, where are we going to send this 39-year-old with 11.5 that isn't doing anything? And him? I also think, like, PJ wouldn't be stoked to go to Utah right now, no. right? Like, he's not going to be stoked to go to Detroit, right? right? He doesn't want to go to those destinations. So that even, that even makes the pool smaller, right? right. Like, it limits the options. Because where PJ wants to go is like Miami. He wants right. to go be a part of the Tibbs thing going on in New York, right? He wants to be back in Philly or, you know, like one of those destinations that has a shot. So in the weird sense, he might, while he might say this is bullshit and maybe his reaction is to the market and not to the fact that he wasn't moved. Maybe his agent is like, yo, PJ, nobody wants you. And then he says, you know, this is bullshit. Mm -hmm. uh, he should be as about as happy as he possibly could be because do he, he might, he might, you know, get a free train ticket all the way to another championship, right? Um, oh, and God you know, really. certainly, you know, it's a possibility. And like I say, I still think he might have a small role to play as it comes down to the stretch or in a, you know, dude, I'm, I keep envisioning somehow that, you know, the Warriors make it into the second round and they play you guys in some sort of matchup and you got this super small lineup for them. I think PJ would be great for 12 minutes against Draymond Green, right? Like 12, maybe 15 minutes, like fucking go push Draymond Green, get, get Draymond ejected. The funny right. thing is you probably won't even need him because you should be handling Warriors anyway right. in that instance. But, you know, I just still see that there's a chance that he could play a role and, and is worth having on the squad as long as he doesn't deteriorate the locker room. Right. As long as he... He... And I don't think so either. Everything no. I've seen is is it's all up and up mm -hmm. from him. And also you can you I know it sounds and nobody wants to be this guy, but UD was this guy forever. Like you can uh, mean something like so important to our basketball team, how you perform in practice, how you are in the locker room, making sure Russell Westbrook is playing. You know what I mean? If you're checking checking Russ every game, make him work hard. Make Terrence Mann work hard. Make make Amir Coffee work fucking hard. Right. Get these guys prepped and ready to go for the games. There is a lot of value in that. And, and the vet leadership, the championship pedigree, the shit like that, like, yeah, um, I, there is value in that. So, I'm I'm more I'm more weirded out at the Bones Highland thing. Like, really, nobody wants a young point guard that could score. You know what I'm saying? Like, you'd think, but um, he hasn't had a lot of chance to showcase him, his abilities this season. No, nah, he and had. I, think, it, I also think the way he went out with Denver mm -hmm. might have put a little bit of something on on his reputation, yeah. right? Because it seemed like that that fell apart really fast, and and he really didn't. You know, he got out of there fast. They got him out of there fast too. So I don't think that that anyone's gonna be signing up for for that guy, 
based on just that, right? Like, right. oh, he's not playing for the Clippers and he, you know, had a quick exit from a team that kind of could have used him, you know, <laughs> like in, in Denver. It's, it's just not good. I can't believe we talked about PJ for this long. Well, I think we I think we talked about PJ as long as my Lakers, which is which is devastating because I could have gone for longer, but I you know I want to get into the trades here. We will, we will. Let me just close with this. Yeah. Is uh, as far as the trade deadline goes for the Clippers, uh I'm I'm okay with it because it's like, look, we knew in years past that we needed a there wasn't there's not any glaring holes that we needed to fill, yes. like shooting or wings, right. or we need another big, you know what I'm saying? Like there were holes last year where it's like shit, we need a backup center. We need, uh, we need more shooting. We need more this, this we have, what we have is, is working and it's good. And while we didn't get better, we did not get worse. So, um, I'm okay with it. Uh, let's get into some trades, man, because you brought them up. You brought them up at the top of the show and I texted you yesterday. Um, just going through the, the, these, these trades and you're right, dude, the New York Knicks, what a fucking pull, right? Uh, Bogdanovich and Alec Burks. Alec Burks is one of those guys that I brought up on our show so many times. He makes my all. I wish that guy was on my my squad team. I love Alec Burks. Okay, Alec Burks is like poor man's Norm Powell. I like the guy. The guy can get buckets. I, I I've liked him for for years. Um, and we're gonna get into Daniel Gafford later. Another guy that I just wish this guy was on my team. Um, but pulling Bogdanovich and Alec Burks to the Knicks. For what was it, Drew? Two seconds and uh and uh and uh Grimes. Is Grimes, that what it was? Fournier, Malachi Flynn, Ryan Archie Diacono, and the okay. two second rounders. So that's that's the full package. Fournier, who's been in the doghouse all year. He's has I think he's played 14 minutes. Oh, he's been in doghouse for two years. Excuse me. Right. Because yeah, it him. happened pretty much pretty fast after that first couple of weeks once he got once he landed in New York. They gave him again, similar to PJ. They gave him like a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, this is nope. We this, this isn't going to do it. This isn't going to work out. And they right. finally got him uh, offloaded, which is which is incredible. Like really well done. But Bogdanovich is the is the prize in this. Now look, yeah, I know 100%. he's thirty five. I'm telling you, man. I want we we just Clippers just came back from this long ass road trip, the Grammy tour that we had. We had Detroit and Detroit. They played us very well. But Boyan and fucking Kawhi were going at each other offensively. It was. A masterpiece. And this guy has been the best player on the Pistons. I don't care what you say uh, about Cade and whatnot. This guy is the best player on the Pistons. Jaden Ivey's finally getting the the burn he deserves and and been balling right now. But you throw this guy, who's a defensive liability at times, but he plays really hard and he's 35. He can score. And the Knicks get the Knicks are deep now, man. Like they're deep. And the fact that the Pistons, and I want you to touch on this, how when you have these assets. How do you get rid of them to the Knicks for what you got back? There had to have been a better deal on there. You're telling me the Lakers couldn't come up with a better deal than what they got? Fuck really, me, Pistons? Who's running the organization? That's Whoever is should be freaking fired. Not only do you pay Monty all this freaking money to coach you, uh, and then you know, you're know you benching Jaden Ivey for whatever reason, then you finally give him the green light, and the guy's balling out of control. He's pooping right now. Um, but the Pistons could have got way more back for that, man. Like, what the fuck are they doing? First thing, Drew, Knicks got better. And what the heck are the Pistons doing? Yeah, so, I mean, the Knicks are clearly the winner of this trade deadline. If you're just taking the deadline day for what it is, they clearly were the winners of the day. Uh, They executed their vision in providing Jalen Brunson with another scorer and another shooter because they desperately need 
you know, it's certainly in, in fourth quarters too, like Jalen can only do so much. And especially with, with uh, Julius Randle going through his shoulder problem, Bogdanovich is, I mean, it's about, it's about a perfect of a fit as you could ask for right now for this Knicks team. And yes, I would have loved to see the Lakers go for him. I mean, we, I, I feel like we've been talking about Lakers Bogdanovich for a year and a half since he got to Detroit is pretty much when I said, it's time. Like, what are we doing? Like, wh- how, how is this happening? Anyway, I'm going to, I'm not going to do that with every one of these. So that's the last one. That's the last one. I don't believe you drew. That's the last one. <clears throat> I mean, I may say something about Seth Curry in a little bit, but right. th- that's the last one. Um, Bogdanovich and Burks. Burks obviously already knows the drill. Been there very recently. Was just coming. It's essentially coming back to what he's already known and and been a part of, and had pretty good success at times. Like he had some really great games while in a Knicks uniform. So Burks is locked and loaded, ready to go. Great guard option off the bench if someone needs a rest or if you want to, you know, have him be your sixth or seventh, you know, man off the bench. Totally fine. Uh, but the big one is Bogdanovich. Twenty points a game for now, while on Detroit. That's probably going to go down a little bit. Won't go down in the immediacy because again, Julius Randle is not going to be playing. So his his numbers need to stay at 20 points a game right now for the Knicks. Um, and look, I think that a lot is going to be made of, about these Knicks moves. And while I am fully on board with that they have executed their vision to a T, they did all of the smart right moves, I still think they're woefully short of the Boston Celtics. Now, I would love to see the series because the Knicks, if there is one thing about them, there's that never-say-die attitude, that grittiness that you can't really – you can't, it's almost like the Miami Heat. You can't bet against them. It's really hard to bet against these guys, right? Because when it's all on the line, they're going to go balls to the wall. And maybe not everyone on the Celtics is going to also reciprocate in that. But I still think the, the Celtics remain the best team in the East, probably the best team in the NBA. But to me, this got the Knicks neck, neck and neck with, with the Milwaukee Bucks. They have leapfrogged the 76ers who, you know, at this point, who knows? It's like a flip of the coin as whether or not they're actually going to fall through with the season or if they're just going to let Joel Embiid recover and say, we're going to pack it in. <laughs> we're going to pack it in for this year, which is weird. Again, the Buddy Heald thing, we'll get into that too. But I have a suspicious feeling that the Sixers will not pack it in. They're going to have Joel Embiid rejoin at the end of the year. And I think that's why they did the moves that they did. But as of right now, there's no way the Sixers are going to win as many games as they need to to stay in that top, you know, one, two or three seeds. So the Knicks are above them now. And I think maybe even the Cavs might be above the Sixers. But so the Knicks did a lot. And and everyone on the coverage for, you know, whatever you were watching and listening to is saying, OK, now the Knicks have perfectly formed what they want so that they can make the next move this offseason. Right. Because they didn't get to have to give up any of their first round draft picks. Uh, and now they have all this space that they can move and the different pieces that they can trade to bring in the guy. So it's interesting because that does put a you know a little bit of a damper on expectations for this season. And I think that's the right move because let this team overachieve. Let this team, you know, surprise you, right? Don't have the expectations for these small moves. A 35-year-old Bogdanovich, who is quite good but is 35 years old yep. and, yep. and isn't, you know, the, the defender that he was when he was 28, because at 28, he was actually a pretty decent defender. And I think he, he holds his own, but he's not, you know, a Tibbs kind of lockdown defensive guy. So there's going to have to be some jostling there dependent upon matchup as to whether or not he's going to close a game for them. Uh, and, and, and then, you know, Alec Burks, who, who's a good player, <laughs> solid player, but he's not a championship needle pusher either. Right. No. So, I think expectations need to be quelled for the Knicks. It's hard to do that because now they're saying, okay, here we come. Like, we're going to be the number one team. We got everything we need. 
you know, if something happens with with Julius Randle's shoulder, or if he gets injured even further than that, their their chances are pretty pretty much zero at, at making it to a finals. When they have the whole team together, they get Mitchell Robinson back maybe in a couple of weeks. You know, Julius is back in a few weeks. Uh, OG looking good as long as he's maintaining his health. Jalen Brunson, of course. Then okay, maybe we can have some optimistic views as we look into the postseason. But for right now, they did a great move, and I am alongside in agreement with saying that next year's team might be the one that the Knicks go all in on and say, okay, now we're going to be able to trade for whatever superstar they identify, whether that's Carl Anthony Towns, as we brought up on this podcast for seven years, or some other player that weren't Donovan Mitchell, you know, whatever the case may be. So uh, exciting, but I just, because the trade deadline was such a dud, I think all of the attention was focused on these moves that made it seem even more impactful than i think they are they are impactful but they're not it's not like oh all of a sudden the knicks are going to win a championship no i'm not i'm not going to go that far but i will again eat crow like we were at when when uh west and them took over they made all these promises on how they're going to turn around the knicks and all this shit and they really did man they made the the move for brunson then you do the og and bring in the dantes and the hearts and all and then you make this move for for bog who if you think about it uh Bogdanovich was the, the 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 prize in all of this stuff and they made it happen. So I'm not going to say they're going to win a championship but I'm not sold on anybody on the east besides Boston. And now we're looking right. at at Milwaukee who I want to throw something out really fast. 1 and 5 under Doc right now. I don't see too many soul train dances before the games lately. There's I haven't seen that traded for Pat Beverly, bro. That <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I you know, Pat Bev will always have a, a role somewhere and they could probably use a Pat Bev. I don't know. But I'm just I think saying, they could definitely use Pat Bev, yes. hundred percent. I'm happy for Pat. He's gonna be uh, playing for another contender. But like again, I'm just not seeing the dancing before the games. What's going on? What's popping? So I'm not sold on anybody. It's wide open. If you tell me that, that Miami will be number two yep. by the end of the year, I would not be surprised. Hundred so, percent. This is that. That's. I just want to touch on that too because everyone's making a big deal about the Knicks uh-huh. with Joel Embiid dropping out essentially for a few you know weeks or months, and the the Bucks in a really weird spot right now. The team that no one fucking talked about the entire trade trade deadline is the Miami Heat, mm-hmm. which is, again they find themselves. You know, still in a in a weird, you know, record wise position that they should be higher in the records than they are. They should be higher in the standings than they are. But they're by the time I swear to God, we're going to look up and it's going to be April, and they're going to be in like the six or seven, five or six seed, and they're gonna they're gonna do their old their old thing again, where they go in the postseason and they they rattle off these wins, and they're going to be when it comes down to it, man. I can see them in the Eastern Conference semifinals for sure, for sure. I can see Miami there. I also see, I see the Knicks there. I see the Celtics and then that fourth team really hard to call. It should be Milwaukee, but it could be Cleveland. Uh could be somebody else that we that we don't necessarily identify at this time. But for me, I mean the Miami Heat flying under the radar again. It's unreal. And so it, nobody's talking about Cleveland either. And Cleveland's the hottest team in the NBA. So hot. Like why why are we not taking them seriously? You know? I think what are they 15 and 1 in their last 16 or something like that? They're on fire. They're on fire, so who knows? But um, the second team that I think won at this trade deadline are you? Are we done with the Knicks? Well, I'll just go on the Pistons because I think we are done on the Knicks. The yeah. Pistons, I, they're in a group of of a handful of teams that I I just marked as like questionable uh, decision making is how I are because they're not the only one in them. So 
Uh, questionable decision-making Lakers already kind of covered that warriors, which we may get into nuggets. We may get into Hawks bulls and then, you know, pistons just outright losers, losers of the yes. trade. deadline. I just don't, I don't know why they decided to let go of the things that that go for the, for the amount that they got. Cause I assume that they could have gotten a lot more for Bogdanovich last year. Certainly last year, I think they would have gotten more for Bogdanovich. Uh, and then, you know, this hall, it just doesn't make any sense. So, I mean, the, the only thing in my head that I keep going back to is like, this has got to be a cap thing. This has got to be some sort of salary, you know, tax saving move. Cause Bogdanovich, I think is making 20 mil or something like right. that this year. Mm -hmm. uh, so maybe they had to finagle some shit so that they don't have to, you know, maybe they want to resign Wiseman or maybe they want to do something in this off season that gives them space to do it. That's the only thing that I keep going back to that. I'm not a hundred percent sure on. Uh, but the Pistons and and really specifically like their front office and Monty Williams, you know, it's great to have people in place that you trust and you're going to show faith by by signing them to long contracts. But then you have to kind of demand that they deliver some semblance of a strategy. And right now that that strategy is just uh, non-existent. I don't I yeah, don't what's I, our five year plan. What's don't have an idea plan? about what they're looking at. Right. Are they you know, the, the assumption is they're going to build around Cade Cunningham and Duran. Uh, and you know, maybe Ivy's in the picture again now, which is nice, but, uh, you know, I just don't know. <laughs> it seems like they don't know what they want to do and, and, and how they want to build. And that's the, that's the scary part, right? Cause like, look, if you're a Detroit Pistons fan, you've been dog shit for a little while here now, right? So this isn't, you know, really since Blake Griffin left, it was the last time you touched the playoffs. Uh, and that was a while ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, and since then, it's just been like really, really bad, even with a number one overall pick and, you know, several high draft picks at this point. So if I was a Pistons fan, while I wouldn't be shocked or really super upset to lose a 35 year old Bogdanovich or a 30 year old Burks, I would be like, well, look, can we have can 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 you just tell us, can you <laughs> inform us a bit about like what our vision is for the future and how we're going to try and accomplish that? That's really what I'd be looking at if I was a Detroit Pistons fan. And right now it doesn't seem like they have a semblance. Of what that is, no, like you can't get a first a first round pick out of that too. Like nobody was offering that. I, I just think that Bogdanovich is a. I, I think he's a game changer for some of these teams that are on the cusp of playoffs and and going deep in the playoffs. I think he's the he's the one, especially after what I saw the other night. I watched. I know this guy's good, but I watched him guard Kawhi and him and Kawhi the other night just go go back and forth, back and forth, bucket after bucket. Kawhi was ten for ten that game. Or a start, yeah, he was. Un, it was unbelievable. Everything, the the turnaround jumpers, the shimmy, and and Bogdanovich was doing the same thing right back at him. So it it was just really nice. Uh, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, what the Knicks look like. Uh, it's hard to to root against them. I mean, especially after we just see Jalen Brunson cry when he makes the All Star oh, team. You're like, yo, that's the fucking guy. That's oh. the guy I'm rooting for in the East. Um, the second team that I wanted to bring up really fast. And they're not like earth shattering moves, but Dallas, Dallas getting yeah. Daniel Gafford and then getting PJ Washington. They say it's not, it's not huge uh, news, no. but these are two guys that are going to fit. I I think around Luca perfectly. Gafford is going to be a lob threat. He's yep. young. He's athletic. He's like a, he's like a lively, but can mm -hmm. run the, I think run the floor a lot better. Uh, it's going to give Luca another option of, of somebody to pass to in the paint, get in the dunker spot, something, and then PJ, who 
you know, I've always liked PJ. He's a, he's a little undersized at six eight and yeah, different PJ. We call him Washington, maybe for folks. Yeah, PJ Washington. Um, but I think he's good, and he he's he's good around the rim. Yeah. He's I just think uh, it, these are two pickups that are going to make their team way better. They fit good with Luca. The pro the the thing that we've always been asking for for Dallas was not necessarily bringing in more superstars. It's more people that can just um, can play with Luca, like perfect fits for Luca. And we're seeing how good Lively is this year. We talked about him on the last show. Kyrie's been playing very well. Tim Hardaway Jr. is one of those players that, fuck, man, he's so nice at times, you know? But you give me two more athletes that are going to run the floor and uh, another option for Luka to – to throw to like I I'm game. So I thought they, I thought they did the second best at the trade deadline. What'd you think of uh, who they picked up? Um, so on, on my list, they didn't make the top, they, their moves did not make the top five moves that I have as wow. I ranked them when I was going through them just for impact. I, I ranked them based on impact for the rest of the season, not for impact for like the rest of Luca's career or, you know, down the line kind of impact. I did it for immediate impact, but so they didn't make my top five with those moves, but I agree. Daniel Gafford's perfect. I mean, he is that having, if you have Derek Lively and he's, he's having success and then Derek Lively breaks his nose or has some weird like facial fracture, Daniel Gafford's exactly the same player. They are the same. Gafford is super athletic. Uh, He, he, he can dunk and do all the things that Lively can do. He can rebound. Uh, I, I mix yeah, it makes all the sense in the world. I like Daniel Gafford. I kind of think he reminds me so much of uh, DeAndre Jordan. It just gives me flashbacks to DJ. I'm DJ. He doesn't. Gafford doesn't jump quite as high as DJ did, uh, and I also think he might be a slightly taller. So it makes like that impact of what he does a little bit less, like visually, you know, shocking. Because DJ, man, he just jumped off the page. Every I watched him when he was at Texas A and M, and I was a freshman at Arizona. And it, I was just like, who the fuck is that? Right. Cause AM had a guard, AC Law at that time, who was like, you know, Gracie. yeah, potentially all American. Um, and, and I left that game being like, I fuck about that guy. Who the hell was 12? Who was 12 on that team? Jordan? Who the hell was that guy? Because right. that dude's a pro right now. So Gafford, I think, will fit perfectly. Uh, lively Gafford having them both makes a lot of sense. PJ. You know, he had a 40-point game the other night, and then all of a sudden he gets traded. <laughs> and I think the P.J. trade is honestly more about getting Grant Williams out of Dallas <laughs> than it is about P.J. coming to Dallas. So this is the – What was the quote the- they said today? They said that P- that uh, Grant rubbed people the wrong way, and you're like, wow, that's shocking. What a shocker. Yeah, and, you know, Missoula shipped him out as soon as he had the power to do so, and he doesn't even last the whole season in Dallas. I mean, this is one of the things that we talked about when we did our free agency stuff, when we went through what Dallas has added. They go, okay, Grant Williams, corner three guy, three and D guy, like trying to replace the DFS minutes, the Dorian Finney-Smith minutes. Makes some sense. Bring him in. But we also said in that exact, like, same breath, you know he's he might he might live out his welcome pretty shortly here because I think maybe the problem with with Grant Williams is he is he is super smart uh, and he knows he's super smart right so for those folks that that aren't aware he was deciding between Harvard and and the University of Tennessee for for his collegiate career he chose Tennessee of course but he also you know won't let people forget that he was accepted and willing to go to Harvard and I just think there's something about his personality where he. Is he's super smart, so I think he can see things the way that they're supposed to be in an idealized world. But it's hard for him to actually like translate that into reality, uh, which is you know that maybe where maybe where his calling truthfully lies is in coaching, potentially. Uh, but I think sometimes when you're a you know a small bit role player and you're telling Luca 
no, you should have done this, or you tell him Kyrie, no, this was actually what you should have done in these moments. That that you're you're done oh, so bro. fast. You're if, done if, so if, fast. If Grant Williams thinks he's the smartest guy in the room, and then you go against Kyrie, who knows he's the smartest guy in the room, that's gonna that's got to be a tough tough locker room at times. I mean, I can only imagine what their conversations would have been like. How meta their conversations would have been would have just blown my fucking mind. Uh, so unfortunately for Grant Williams, he ends up in basketball purgatory, a.k.a. Charlotte. Uh, he does have a friend with him in Seth Curry coming with him, unfortunately for Seth. Although it's weird silver lining, Seth obviously from Charlotte. His dad played in Charlotte. He's going to wear the number 30 for Charlotte. So there's some cool stuff happening there. And good news maybe for Seth and for Grant, they should play a lot. <laughs> they should play a lot. Of you minutes. think? Yeah. Play a lot of minutes. Uh, you know, Charlotte has a lot of new players in there, and I would assume that both of those guys have to be uh, starting. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see what Grant Williams can talk himself out of a third team uh, in, in a short order here. But for the Mavericks, the Gafford piece is the most important piece. P.J. Washington can get hot. He can shoot it pretty well. He's pretty decent defensively and rebounding, but he's undersized. He's only about 6'8", 6'9", and his three-point percentage has started to drop in the last, you know, three, four, five seasons. Hasn't maintained a good three-point percentage. But who knows, you know, uh, he wasn't getting a whole lot of opportunity in Charlotte the last couple seasons with Miles Bridges being, you know, kind of the, the wing player for them. And they had, you know, these new younger centers that they've tried to rotate through and forwards that they wanted to see, you know, how good or not they would be. So hopefully this is you know, a new page for PJ. And I think he could be quite impactful for this team if he shows up and puts in the work, right? This is his first time not on Charlotte. So it'll be a whole nother NBA existence for him in in a team that's actively looking to make the postseason, actively looking to make a run into the postseason. So I'm, I'm assuming he'll be excited about that. But uh, Gafford to me is the more impactful. Who was your third, who was your third team on your list? Oh, so, okay, well, so they didn't make my top five. My number one, if you want to go down my rankings, my number one is Pat Bev to the Bucks. That's my number one most impactful trade of this trade deadline specific, just to the day, the, the trades that happened in that day. And you're laughing. I don't know. You don't, you don't think that's impactful? I think it's impactful. I don't think it's the most impactful at all. Well, no, but think about, okay, so I guess maybe I need to define impactful. The way that I define this is impactful to the championship run of one team. Right. What have these trades made any individual team that much closer to actually winning a championship? And I rank Patrick Beverly as the first one because that's exactly what they're lacking. Right. Like if there's been one thing that <laughs> that Milwaukee absolutely needs to do, they need someone who can defend alongside Damian Lillard. And they absolutely hit that out of the park. They got the campaign is who they sent away for Patrick mm -hmm. Beverly, which is, again, I, that's great. That's a great deal. And I'm a little shocked as to why the 76ers would let Pat Beverly go because he's, he's been playing good for them. Uh, but they they let him go and and they let him go to a rival, a team that's right there in the same realm as they are, which may point to whether or not Embiid's going to come back, whatever. But the reason I think this is the most impactful trade is because this is this is answering a problem that, number one, Patrick Beverly has a relationship with Doc Rivers. So that helps some cohesion there. Well, Doc obviously wanted him there. Clearly wanted him. And mm -hmm. saw and saw that whatever the defensive schemes that he might have been trying or different lineups he might have been trying ain't cutting it right. Pat Connaughton not not good enough defensively. Beasley not good enough defensively. Even though he's on his right hand is on fire right now, he can't miss from three. Uh, but 
I think Pat also locker room guy, right? So, so there's some alignment with Doc and Patrick Beverly there. So more than just on the court stuff, but on the court stuff, Pat brings a lot of what I think, you know, for instance, like Giannis and him in the, in the playoffs, like, I think they're going to feed off each other. I think Pat might actually have somebody who cares just as much about wins and losses as as he does in Giannis because Giannis is fucking psycho right now like he right. cares remember like all the stuff that's been going on with Giannis about uh, game balls or you know he's been mad at times in post-game press conferences uh so Giannis is like super deep into his own shit right now and I think Pat will join him in that realm of like really focusing and caring about what happens for this postseason with Damian Lillard uh and that's why I have so Pat Bev was one and and I can go down my list of two my second one was uh uh, was what the the Suns did, because that changed their lineup a lot. We I don't need to go through all these one by one, uh, you know, consecutively. Or what do you think about Pat to the to the Bucks? I I love Patrick Beverly. You know how much I love Pat. I'm glad he's going to have an opportunity to play there, and he is going to be impactful for them. They do lack defense, right? But Pat is also you know five five points a night. Sometimes there's you know there's well, a he's lot shooting of really well this year. His three point percentage is high is very high right now, and I you know yes he's not going to be there to score the points. That's the thing too. Like right, you know he he doesn't need to score. Doesn't want to score the points. Dame and Giannis can do that. They don't need him out there for shooting really, as long right. as he can hit a corner three, which he's shown very. He's like forty percent this year, catch and shoot threes. Yeah, I mean, I, I again, I like it. I, I feel you know he was a Maury guy. Like Maury gave him a shot in in Houston, and then he he gives him a shot and tells him he's not going to be traded in Philly. And then Maury, you know, maybe James Harden really is making sense now. Like maybe Maury just says what people want to hear, and maybe he lies. Because from what Pat said on Pat's show it was like, nah, man, we're not trading you. And then what's happening? You're ghost. We're also going to trade you to the team that you have beef with, Damian. I get first of all, Pat has beef with everybody. Exactly. Right. This is part of 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 the game for him. Like you got beef with Russ, we're going to put you on the same team with Russ. You got beef <laughs> with Dame, we're going to send you with Dame. And I, I'm I'm pretty sure, and I think it happened when he got traded. Pat hit Dame up and they squash whatever beef they have. And that's what men should do, especially if we're going to be on the same team together. And he's going to pick up a lot of defensive slack for what Dame can't do on the defensive side. I get it. And he's going to hold them accountable too. He's because Dame is going to hear it from Pat when he doesn't rotate all the way in the playoff. Pat's going to piss. Yeah. Pat's going to piss off some people a lot. And Pat's is good. Yes. I think it's good. it, It is good, but there you have the freak there too like that's the guy you can't, can't piss, piss him off. off you could you, can't, you yeah, cannot can't piss, piss him, him off, off. and that's i do see something i i see a lot of uh, especially if you keep losing games right now i i also i also think that if pat beverly is fly, is already in milwaukee which he probably is as soon as he hits that locker room i mean pat's going to be yapping dude pat's going to be talking to everybody and you're right. I think I told the story once on the Clippers where he lined everybody up one day, lined them up on the wall and said, you don't do this well. You don't do that well. You need to be better at that. And sometimes people need to be humbled and, and actually, okay, shit, man, maybe this guy, maybe this guy's right. Um, I'm excited for it, Drew. And and uh, obviously, again, Doc wanted him there. Um, it, it's it's You remember we were just saying about the Clippers, how there were no, there were no holes really. So um we didn't make any moves for certain guys. There's a hole on defense for these guys. There, that's what there is, and Pat, that's what Patrick Beverly can bring. So I am stoked on that. Who was the other team you said you were bringing so up? So the Suns when yeah. they made their move Metu. for for Big Body Roddy and oh, and Roddy. Royce O'Neal, right? Uh, bringing those guys in, they cleared out Watanabe, Kada, Kada Bates, Diop, 
Chimezi Metu and uh, and Goodwin all left, and and it was a three team deal. So all those guys kind of went to different places. But the key to the whole thing is that Phoenix gets Royce O'Neal, huge, right. and David Roddy also fucking huge. I didn't think that I was going to see Memphis part ways with this guy because he's actually pretty solid for them. And obviously Memphis is in the full tank. They're in the tankathon. I mean, they decided, okay, we're going to keep Jaron Jackson, John Morant, and Desmond Bain. Everybody else, God. see you later. Uh, which I kind of understand. I kind of understand. They had the season from hell. So they ship off Steven Adams. They ship off Roddy. They ship off, you know, all these other and guys. And they signed Gigi. They signed Gigi. I thought Marcus Smart was going to go. I thought maybe uh -huh. Derrick Rose was going to go. Like, I thought there might have been like a full-on fire sale. Uh, so we'll see, you know, what, what <laughs> you know, if there's a buyout or something like that, or if they're just going to keep those guys and say, we're going to reload for next year, you know, get to try and get a good draft pick or what have you. But um, the Suns strengthening their bench with guys that can can play big like both Royce and Roddy can play up in 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 who they guard and defend uh and both are pretty serviceable offensive players that don't need the ball in their hands but can hit open shots um and Roddy I I really like Roddy's game and I just think he's he's kind of just starting to get the the rhythm of the of the NBA I think he's going to expand his offensive capabilities in years to come it's not there fully yet but if you watch him enough Roddy, I'm talking about. You can see, oh, it's like, oh shit, this guy knows how to play the game of basketball, right? He doesn't force shit too often. He's real strong when he takes the ball to the hoop. Um, he's just a big guy, a big strong dude, and and that's that's what Phoenix needs. I can see either one of those guys in lineups with their big three, right? And that's really what it is for for the Phoenix Suns, and that's why I have him as the as the second most impactful trade because while I really like Watanabe, I like Chemezi Metu, and I like Keita Bates Diop. Those guys weren't really cutting it, you know. They needed a little bit more uh, enforcers on the defensive end. Again, another defensive kind of move for this team that that needed a, a little help on the defensive end. So, um, yeah, that was my second most impactful. And I think it, if we're as we're as we're talking about the West, you know, at the top seeds in the West, the Nuggets, the Clippers, and uh, well, OKC and Minnesota, they made some smaller. I mean, you know, OKC made a big move for Gordon Hayward, but Minnesota made a smaller move. All these things, not a lot was happening at the top, and Phoenix, I think, tried to close that gap a little bit there. When with 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 no act, very limited activity coming out of the very top seeds of the West, they got closer. I think by making those moves, and, and I'll tell you one thing, man, the new owner. He's not afraid to to fucking shake shit up and move. He if he sees like the people that are, that he's hired are telling him to make these moves, or if he himself is identifying players that he needs to make moves, the guy moves. He moves super fast, and I I gotta appreciate it as a as a bystander who's I I don't like the Suns, but I don't hate the Suns. But you know that's that's an owner that's very clearly focused on trying to bring a championship there, and I I can appreciate that. Who else you got? Uh, you don't have any thoughts on on Roddy or Arneal? I mean, no, I don't think it's I don't think it's huge. I love big body Roddy. I know Royce was going to get moved. They're both undersized. You know what I'm saying? And there's not a lot of minutes to go around there. But yeah, I see, I mean, that's I where I think I think there is minutes there because I do think that like you know Grayson Allen, as good as he's been, you know, for the Suns this year, he can't defend the way that Royce O'Neal, for instance, can. can yeah, defend. that's fair. Right, so I I can see Royce being the more impactful of the two that they add uh, between Roddy and O'Neal. And I can actually see Royce O'Neal like being in the closing lineup. He may not start games, mm -hmm. but I can see him finishing games with this with this lineup and then having him be the, you know, kind of the lockdown guy, uh, which is really what they've needed. 
and and no one prior to having Royce O'Neal on their team was fitting that role. Hey, well, if you if you does on uh, waivers, maybe there's the shooter you're looking for, Drew. I mean, I can do it all day. I can do it all fucking day. I go down the list of uh, of available guys. Jimmer Fredette, where are you? No. Um, the third one on my list we talked about. I This is where I had Bogdanovich and the Knicks. I had them three because, again, I don't think it vaults them past the Celtics. I still don't think it vaults them to a finals run. I still think... Yeah, but then how does, if, how does Royce... And big body Roddy the vault, vault them higher mm. in the wet over what the Knicks are doing. Like the what the Knicks are doing makes a much bigger impact. I'll, I'll tell you why, because tell the me. Knicks don't have three superstars. They have one all-star, maybe two mm. all-stars, depending upon how you view Julius Randle. And as good as Brunson and, and Randle can be and are, they're not KD, they're not Devin Booker. That's true. I would say I would say Brunson is now probably on the Beal level. I would say that's probably pretty fair to call them, you know, a wash maybe. Even and even given this year, fuck, I mean, don't don't get me wrong. Jalen Brunson is far and away outperformed Bradley Beal. But Brad has put in his time and and is, you know, a fucking scoring champion in the NBA, multi-time all-star. You you understand my point. Yes. The, the reason this is more impactful is the Knicks are still trying to search for their next superstar. The Suns have them. And this is making them stronger and I do think the Suns in the West have a real, real shot at making the finals out of the West. And that's why. And I don't think the Knicks, truthfully, I just don't think they do. I don't think the Knicks do. I, and they could prove me wrong. I still think they're good, but I don't think they have a shot to make the finals. That's where I'm at. They're just so deep when you think about that, man. You When you have a guy like they're very OG, deep. They're very OG, deep. OG can guard anybody's team's best player, right? If you get Mitchell Robinson back and you have him in the lineup – and you have Randall and you have Dante and Hart and like and and Bogdanovich and all these guys. Like I just think they're deep. I like it. I think they can win healthy. I hate having to say that for every every single basketball team, but they're they're scary, man. That OG pickup was so huge. I I couldn't agree more that I I the Knicks will be the worst nightmare for most teams to face. And right. and the thing that I'm gonna be watching for and, and the and the matchup I really hope to see is the Knicks against Milwaukee. Because then that's, a you know, it's kind of a best on best, right? Knicks are bringing the off, the, the Knicks are bringing the defense, Milwaukee's bringing the offense, and that's that's somebody that they have to go through. I do think the Knicks match up much better than, with the Celtics, for instance, yes. than they do with the Bucks. But that's the key matchup for me, is like who, who the Knicks end up playing in the playoffs will be obviously a, an, an important factor to factor in. And, and who knows, man? If they get the right matchups or if, if injuries happen, whatever, they could certainly make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. They can, they could make it to the finals. They are probably, um, what, maybe the third or fourth deepest team in the NBA at this point. So, again, I'm not trying to say that they didn't make good moves, but I just don't see a championship in their future. And I still could see a championship for the Suns, if that makes sense. Well, that does. That makes sense. Uh, my fourth highest rated move. Nobody talked about this move. And it's going to sound funny to most. But the Minnesota Timberwolves went out and got a backup guard. Monte Morris. No one's going to talk about this move. No one's going to mention it. But there's going to be time during the regular season and especially in the postseason when Monte Morris comes in and gives them 18 fantastic minutes and they don't lose the game because of turnovers of whoever the fuck is in, the, <laughs> in behind Mike Conley. Or if Mike Conley rolls an ankle, mm. like they just solidified their back their backcourt there. And uh, again... 
under the radar move. No one's going to talk about it, but that's my they had to give up shake, right? They gave up shake for shake him? and Troy Brown, but shake uh -huh. wasn't doing it. Shake was right. not doing it. He hasn't been the right. same for the last two or three years. Uh, and Troy Brown is solid, but you know, they don't, they don't really need Troy Brown on that squad. Um, so they get their backup guard and they, they actually got a, a guy that I think is maybe, maybe one of the more perfect backup guards for them that they could have gotten in Monte Morris. Any thoughts on that one? Yeah, address again, going back to what we said, addressing the problem that they had, which was a backup point guard. It's not Tyus Jones, but Monte Morris is a good is a good fit. It's a great pickup for them. Um, because at some point Mike Conley will be injured or won't won't be playing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And uh I, I like it. Great vet, great vet pickup under the radar. You're totally correct with that. And then number five on my list is is maybe the biggest name player to move this trade deadline, Gordon Hayward. The reason it's not higher, even though he may be, you know, the highest paid player that moved or maybe the one he with definitely the most, is. He definitely the, most, is. the one with the most accolades. But the reason that this made number five, and I still think it's more impactful than some of the other trades that didn't make my top five uh, is because this really gives Oklahoma city, a, a veteran presence uh, in Gordon Hayward, a guy who is unselfish, We'll will be able to play alongside Shea Gilgis Alexander and, and absolutely let Shea do what he does. But allows Oklahoma City some versatility with their lineup. If Josh Giddy doesn't have it that night, can't shoot. He's still, I mean, he's not a great shooter. We know that it's it's something he's working on. So uh if if Giddy is, you know, compromised and they're and they're leaving him open for threes and he's missing these threes, that's Gordon Hayward. You're not gonna leave him open. And if you do, he's gonna nail the three. Right. I mean, he's not going to start though, right? He may just start over Josh Giddy. And I think that may be that might be the answer. Because you can have it, Giddy run the second unit. Exactly. Then you can let Giddy come in with the second, give Shea a breather. Mm -hmm. They can still play together. You know what I'm saying? Like there's yeah. there's it just kind of works a little bit better that way. Yeah. Um and and again, you know, when it comes down to it, Gordon Hayward can still score the basketball. It's all about availability. That's the most important ability for Gordon Hayward. And who knows if he's going to be available and healthy or not, you know, for the remainder of this year. But like, like I'm going back to if Giddy and or Dort, one of those two is having an off night, for instance, uh, that's a perfect, you know, perfect guy to come in and, and help you score the ball, be a, be a release valve for Shea Gills or Alexander. He's, he's still an okay defender. Gordon Hayward. He's not a great defender. Never been a great defender. I mean, maybe in Utah he was close, but uh, I just, I like it. I like the move. Obviously, the biggest problem here with this move is that it did not include a center. A big man. Yeah. So how does it not, how did, how did the Oklahoma City Thunder not say, give us fucking Richards? Uh, give us one of your Charlotte bigs that you don't give a shit about. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, who do we got to, like, throw us a seven-footer, right? Like, that's to me, is the big miss out of this whole thing. It should have been Gordon Hayward and Richards or Gordon Hayward and one of the other Charlotte options or get a third team in there to get a, a center because that's mm -hmm. been their glaring issue, right? If we're talking about filling what the needs are, Oklahoma City do not have a greater need for anything other than a center. Uh, so I'll finish with Oklahoma City by saying maybe they'll look to the buyout market. Maybe they'll look to these guys that were waived. Robin Lopez obviously was traded away from the Bucks to the That's Kings. That's the one. Raiders. That's the one. Robin, go get Robin. If they if, again going back to like if the Lakers don't get fucking Joe Harris, who's just a free agent right now. If Oklahoma City doesn't get Robin Lopez, who's a free agent right now, it seems dumb and wasteful. How crazy um, was it him reading a book 
at the scores table last night at the game after he's been <laughs> traded. How great is that? Not even paying attention to the game. Is he even allowed to be there? Like you've been traded. You're sitting at the scores table. You're just there to watch your brother. Like what? I, uh, who knows, man. I, I do like, I like the Lopez uh, brothers though. And it's a bummer to see them split up, but if you have to give up Robin Lopez and campaign to bring in Patrick Beverly to go win a championship, you do that 10 times out of 10. I'm looking at players on the on the buyer's market, on the buyout market that'll be available, and there's not bigs at, at all. So Robin Lopez would be like the the only option you have. And I think it's crazy, Drew. This is what what's wild is like we spent all that time talking about the free agents that or the trades that the Lakers should make. And now we're at this point where it's like, can we just get Joe House or freaking Yuta Watanabe? Like Harris. Yeah, Joe Harris. Joe, yeah. Joe, sorry, not Joe House. Shout out to the ringer. Uh he's probably got a good jumper too. I don't know. Um, but look, I'm looking at these players that'll be on the, on the bio market. Dinwiddie's probably going to be the most coveted at some point, but I don't know what his deal is. They said that he was boycotting shooting. He's, he stopped shooting last month. And I don't, I was, I was asking Drew before the show. I'm like, is Dinwiddie like an asshole? Like, does nobody like Dinwiddie? What's going on? Why is he always so unhappy? So there's going to be Dinwiddie, DeLon Wright, another guy that maybe the Lakers should go for Troy Bound Jr. You already tried that Kyle Lowry, Marcus Morris, uh who you know what man how do you get the key to the city in philly and then they just dump you off send you to the crazy. spurs and the spurs wave you that's messed up that's crazy it's messed up uh evan fournier jetty osmond shake milton daniel house Otto porter jr like it's it, this is just such a weak a weak waiver wire i, I take a look know. at I, if i'm the lakers i take a look at chetty osmond i wouldn't yeah. i would you know, maybe just you know check check in on him see how he's doing but Joe Harris should be the the one the Lakers go after. But you know, I didn't rank the rest of these. I only ranked the top five. But sixth on my radar would have been for OKC. Going back to OKC is is Xavier Tillman to the to the Celtics, right? So that could have been a guy that that OKC goes, no, 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 no. Like <laughs> we're you're going to give up Lamar Stevens and two second rounders to get him? Well, how about we'll just throw you one of these shitty firsts that we have, like a back end, right. like a you know the the twenty seventh pick of the draft in twenty twenty eight. Like we'll give you that one for yeah, one of your thirty seven picks you have in the for first Xavier round. Tillman. Like because that would have been great too. Like Xavier, I understand they have an undersized center in in uh, Jay Will, right oh. or J Dub, wh- whichever one it is. Oh. Man, I can't remember which one it is, but. Uh, you know, that would have been a nice pickup for Oklahoma City where you could have trumped that two second rounders and Lamar Stevens, no problem. Um, but going back to like the shooters that the Lakers could potentially go after is the Buddy Heald trade. Like that's one. And then the Doug McDermott trade. Those are the two. Dougie McDirty. I one mean, of the guys I was looking at. I wouldn't have mind if we if we did something for Doug McDirty. I was actually he was on my list, him and DFS. DFS would have been a little for the Clippers. You're saying, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, let's let's throw our hat in the ringer for a, for a Dougie McDirty. I, you know, so seeing Buddy Heald go to the Sixers for Morris and then Corkmaz and three second rounders. Wait, hold that thought. Corkmaz finally out of Philadelphia jail. The guy's been begging to get out of that five team years for for years, and you're finally out. You're out. Good for Corky. He gets to go. He gets to go hang out in in Indiana. We'll see if he gets on the floor. Uh, but you know, healed to the Sixers for Morris and Corkmaz. Okay, fine. But Lakers miss out on that. Uh, and then, and then to replace him, the Pacers go out and sign. You know, they trade Marcus Morris in a second, one of those second rounders for Doug McDermott. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, what the actual fuck? Like, what? Why? Why would we not? 
Why would we not? You try can't buy that? a house that's not for sale, Drew. That's what that's what your it's GM not for is sale clips. You. It's not for sale. Okay, that's what they say. Anyway, so those are the other moves that that popped off, and and the last one that I'll touch on, and mostly maybe that maybe the best way for us to do this is to just look at the the lack of moves for for the teams that we thought might make moves, like the Warriors, the Nuggets, the Hawks, and the Bulls. Do you have any thoughts on any of those that you want to jump in on? Well, I'm surprised DeJounte didn't go anywhere considering all the talk that we that they've been talking about him. Maybe they're second guessing getting rid of DeJounte. Maybe they they're thinking about that that Trey Young. Maybe they're thinking about it. Like we'll probably get a better Return. I don't know what the market was for Dejounte. I'm sure the Lakers could have made that happen if they really. Well, they wanted, wanted Reeves. The Hawks wanted Reeves. That was what it fair. came down to, and I, I also think that's fair. And which I also think the Lakers stood firm, which is nice. I love Austin Reeves, so I'm happy that he's still on the team. But I think Dejounte could have helped us a little bit more this particular season yes. than than Austin at this point. So, for the Bulls, I think it's funny because you know as soon as. Levine was there was talk for Levine going to to Detroit. He's like, nah, fuck that. I'm getting <laughs> I'm getting foot surgery. You ain't sending me there. Reminded me back in the day on the Clippers when Jason Williams, I think Jason Williams, White Chocolate, I think he was from Miami. He was gonna be traded to the Clippers, and this is when you know Sterling era and all this shit. And Jason Williams is like, fuck that. I'm retiring. If yeah. you send me, I'm not going there. And and Levine is not going there. And the other thing is, like, they interview Vooch, and Vooch is adamant. He's like, nah, I don't think anybody should be traded. I think we have enough here. And then it's like, enough of enough for what? Like, for what 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 is what 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 is it enough of? Because it's not enough. It's a shit show. It's crazy, so, man. And the person that's coming out on top of this is Kobe. Kobe's balling. Kobe, White. you know what I mean? Yeah, he if, if he should be up there for most improved player this year. The guy's putting up mad numbers. I love it. He's getting an opportunity, but like. I don't know, man. You'd think that there there would be value in DeMar DeRozan somewhere, right? Like somebody would want Alex Caruso. Right. I mean, how did nobody end up with Alex Caruso? That's fucking crazy to me. I understand, like, you know, DeMar, all right, he's on, maybe he's a little too old for some teams. Fine. Zach, Zach Levine, obviously just not the right cup of tea for most NBA teams, I guess. And he's point. expensive. And he's right. Now he comes with it comes with a, a huge, 40. huge price tag. But Alex fucking Caruso, I mean, good God, how do you not trade for Alex Caruso? Somebody. And I think this maybe the, the interesting piece about this is like if Joel Embiid doesn't injure his knee, maybe the trade for the Sixers is not uh, to bring in Buddy Heald. Maybe the trade is to bring in Alex Caruso, right? Like maybe that's – but maybe they take a whole new look on whatever the outlook for the season is and say, well – we need some scoring while Embiid's out, so we'll try and get Buddy Heald in here and just salvage whatever we can out of the season and have it be Tyrese Maxey-centric. But, you know, just outside of Philly, there was there's so many teams that could use Alex Crusoe, including, you know, all the teams we've talked about on, on our side of Philly. You wanted to say the Lakers again. You wanted to say it again I held and back. you caught yourself. I held back. I held back. I said I wouldn't do it. I said I wouldn't do it, man. I'm just seeing all these uh, fucking names flying around. I would love. I know, man. I know. And uh, honestly, uh, we don't. We don't need to spend a lot of time on it. But like a Milwaukee could definitely use a Demar Derozan right now. You know what I'm saying? Like if, if Middleton's. <laughs> what's that? They also, also Alex Caruso. Caruso. Yeah, yeah. They could use Patrick Beverly and Caruso. Is how bad the defense is in Milwaukee. They could use both. Those so, guys. so it's kind of like the Pistons thing, though. Like. Who is running the show? Like you, yeah. you see what's in front of you. This is it, it's a dumpster fire. It's not working. All the stuff that you've tried is not working. And sometimes you have to 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 smash the house down to rebuild. Right? That's what they say. Break that tear tear down the house and rebuild. And you do have these assets. Um, 
in in uh, Vooch and in Demar and in Caruso. And if if Levine's price tag is too high, then maybe you ride with Levine and Kobe. Like that's what you're going to be doing, and you build around them too for for the remainder. But I am a little shocked nothing happened with them. Not not being proactive is just like your whole job as a front office is to be moving forward and making all the right moves. Like uh, Rob Palinka said in the interview, like my job is to make smart moves and for the best, you know, yeah, team best moves for our team. And what, and you're not in Detroit and you're not in Chicago. You're not doing those things. So what was the other team? Denver. I'm not necessarily sure Denver needed to do much. Um, I don't they know who they had to could... give up. They probably would have had to give up one of their, their nice rookies that they, you're not rookies, but younger guys that they but wanted to see. Brown or, yeah, or Christian Watson. Brown, Watson. It would have uh, been one of those guys. And I understand why they didn't want to do that. Right. Both of those guys. I mean, Peyton Watson and Christian Brown's fall. I mean, sophomore slump for Christian yeah. Brown, but Watson played pretty good. in in the minutes that he was given against the Lakers, like that guy is going to be in the rotation for the, Dun- for the nuggets in the, uh, in the postseason for sure. Because defense gets you rotation minutes. That's what happens. And he's super long. Like yeah. he, he's good. He's a good player. So I, I I understand why they didn't make a move. They were handcuffed also because of all the money they laid out to their stars, right? Jokic, Murray, fucking KPJ has got uh, not KPJ, uh, MPJ. Uh, wow. Whoops. A little Freudian slip there. MPJ has got a lot of money coming his way too. So anyway, uh, not shocking to see that they stayed stagnant and and they're in good shape, right? So it's not like the Lakers where where we're struggling to make the, the play in as of right now. They're doing fine, right? They're they're doing just fine. Um, the other team was the Warriors. A uh, lot of potential things that could have gone down. A lot of rumors flying out of Warriors territory that maybe. Moody, maybe Kuminga, but Kuminga's having a, a hell of a month of January. Yes, he's and come back. Last couple of weeks has been fantastic from him. So I'll be the first to praise him because I've been hard on the kid. And maybe all he needed was a little bit more time. I'm not fully bought into the fact that he is destined to be an all-star, which is what I had my stance on. But certainly, I mean, the guy's been putting up huge numbers, been looking really good. So I'm happy for Golden State. Maybe they are trying to figure it out with what they have. And maybe when they get Chris Paul back and Maybe they'll turn the corner, and it does seem like for, you know, for 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 their purposes, that Utah has no interest in winning any more games this year. So Utah ships off a bunch of guys, except for marketing. They keep marketing. He's their he's <laughs> the prophet. He's the the Messiah in Utah. Is the finish marketing. Uh, but outside of that, they're just really willing to let go of everybody. It seems like they don't give a shit. So that that's good. Bodes well for the Warriors. They won't have another team to compete with in that playing spot. Uh, and then, yeah, the Hawks was the last one. So the Hawks didn't make any moves as far as we were we were thinking that DeJounte Murray would go places a la the Lakers or Knicks or wherever else, but he didn't end up getting moved at all. Uh, so the Hawks stay, you know, status quo. At least they get Trey Young as an alternate all-star in the all-star game. Though, he deserves to be there, man. He deserves to be there. And like people hate look, on Trey young, man. I know. I know. And I, we are, I, we are part of that because we, we perpetuated this whole, we were all exhausted with James Harden. We yes. were all exhausted in watching him do the things that he did in Houston. And then here comes Trey young, who is virtually doing the same shit and accomplishing ridiculously high statistics. But because of the fatigue of James Harden, it has, latched on to Trey now, which is really unfair to that kid. 
because it really is the numbers stats, are insane though. the stats like, every year are so good <laughs> but, they're so good bro and but why do the why do the players hate you so much that's my question that's what like, i don't know um, i don't get it and we can't speak on it i don't know trey young i don't know why these people don't like him so much but like numbers are the numbers and numbers don't lie there's no reason this guy i mean i i get it the talent's huge i think what jj said as far as you know, the All Star Game should be fifteen players, and I think he's totally right because there's a lot of talented and worthy uh, players in the NBA right now that should be All Stars. Um, but the fact that a lot of people didn't even have Trey on the list, like, come on, man, the numbers are crazy. He should have been on the list. Yes, maybe his team, the record, the most important number is the record for a lot of people, especially you know coaches and whatever else people that vote for the All Star Game, but. There's no way that you could tell me that he was less deserving as an individual player than Damian Lillard. Facts. He is outperforming that guy in pretty much every single category across the board, and that includes fucking defense. Stepping <laughs> up the defense. He's trying. He's Trey, trying. Damian might be one of the only guys that's a worse defender than than Trey Young. Uh, certainly neither of them would ever want to play uh, defense if they ever played one-on-one -on -one against anybody. But uh, – yeah, man, I just I, I I do think this is like a carryover thing with Trey, and and maybe for some reason, I don't know, man, because people loved it when he was going at the Knicks. I I'm, I'm going back to that Knicks series. It, that was awesome to see Trey, you know, talk his shit in the garden. It was awesome, and, and I don't know why people would hold that against him. That's what we want out of our stars in the NBA. Like go into someone else's arena and deliver, you know, an unbelievable performance for a great series and. You know, flip off the fan, like all this stuff. I, 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 I have come around on Trey Young. Do I like watching him play basketball? No, I don't really love it. That team's not fun either, man. Now you put Trey again with Wembo. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm watching that Fire all the time. Me up. Let's Atlanta, go. I'm sorry, I don't want to watch Sadiq Bay hoop, bro. Like, I'm sorry. And they, they have a lot of, a lot of talent on that team. That's why they have all the assets. They, have they a lot. could be making these trades. I just don't think they know what the future, what they want. Like you were saying, like, what is our plan? What's the vision? Yeah. yeah. What is our vision? It's obvious that this Trey and DeJounte thing, like, it's really not what we thought it would be. It's not really working. So yeah, you got to move similar. on. They're yeah, too similar I to each other, the Trey and DeJounte thing. And, and look, the writing was on the wall when they made the trade. And I think we even, when we broke that down, I think both of us were like, yeah, it's cool. DeJounte yeah. is a good player. But like, what are we, why? It's a little bit redundant. And guess what? Turned out it's to be redundant. pretty redundant. Uh, so, you know, if we're calling it just off of the first, like, blip and saying, well, that doesn't seem like a fit, a la Re what, Russell Westbrook on the fucking Lakers. Right. Like, it's probably, if it's obvious to us just from reading it, I just don't know. Sometimes these guys must, the, the GMs must get in their head and really be overthinking, overthinking, overthinking. I also think we, we can sometimes lose awareness of where these GMs are in their specific contracts. And I think that also is super indicative of like the the actual moves that are made around free agency and trade deadline like if you're if you're a gm in the last year of your contract and you're trying to like fucking re-up and get another couple years in the in, in the back pocket you're probably going to be a little bit more frantic on the trade right. deadline you're probably going to be a little bit quicker to pull the trigger on trading that guy and bringing in another guy right or if you got new ownership, right? Like new ownership comes in, but they keep you as a GM. You got to right. prove your worth. Like I, th I think sometimes we we can analyze the moves for what they are, but we don't know the pressures that are behind the the moves that are made when they look silly in the way that 
and some of these moves have ended up looking silly. Uh, that that's a really good take, Drew. I need you to do. Uh, I I don't have a final thought today because my nose is leaking all over my desk right now, and I'm sick as hell. And I know that you have something important to say. Yeah. For your final thought, because we had a big moment this week. Yeah. So let's uh let's have the final thought so we can get out of here. Yeah, I kind of wish the trade deadline wasn't on February eighth, twenty twenty four, because it really was a distraction to what should have been an entirely dedicated day to Kobe Bryant. Turned out to be that way for the Lakers, and maybe it was uh, some some sort of foreshadowing that the Lakers weren't going to make any moves on trade deadline because we were very much focused on the unveiling of Kobe Bryant's statue outside of Crypto.com Arena. For those that don't know, Crypto.com Arena. Previously, Staples Center has a lot of statues out in front. And Kobe's not the only statue. We got Shaq and Kareem, and you know, there's I mean, fucking, I think I think Gretzky's out there. Like, I think there's you know, there's other sports that have statues out there as well. Well, of course, Chick is out there for Mm -hmm. sure. And so Kobe gets his statue unveiled yesterday, two eight twenty four. And again, I just wish the trade deadline was the day before at because like it, I would have loved for my all of my attention to be dedicated to to this unveiling of the statue um but statues unveiled it's kobe bryant holding his finger up in the air after winning the uh toronto raptors game 81 point performance in his number eight jersey and the first thing that came to my mind is how incredible kobe is every time we bring him up and anytime it's injected into my life i just sit i I try to do my best to sit back and be like man i just loved that i was alive and aware to be a part of the fandom for this guy. And so that all comes, you know, rushing back. You get to see Vanessa Bryant out there giving her speech. And, and then you find out that this isn't the only statue, because I think maybe the second thought from a lot of people after they have those reminiscing thoughts about Kobe is, wait, why, why is this the statue? Right. Cause all on social media, the whole day is like, people are trying to guess what the pose is going to be and what Jersey he's going to be wearing. So they unveil the statue, and and of course, uh, you know, in in comedic fashion, Vanessa Bryant goes before you all start talking shit. Like this, Kobe chose this pose, right? Because it does look, you know, it's not one that I immediately recall back in my brain, but it rem- it's in remembrance of the eighty-one point game. It's in his number eight jersey, and then we find out later two other statues will be unveiled for Kobe Bryant. So he will have a total of three. He will have another statue uh, in his jersey number twenty-four. And then he'll have another statue with him and Jana, which is spectacular. And I'm very much looking forward to all three of those unveilings. I think the next one will be on 824, August 24th of this summer. Uh, so 824-24, maybe they'll reveal both. Uh, but the at least I know that the second for sure will be unveiled at that point in August. So, um, you know, really emotional day. Um, not only do we have trade deadline, we not only do we have the unveiling of the statue, we have the Denver Nuggets, the fucking team that destroyed us in the postseason come to LA for this. Again, I understand 282824 it makes a lot of sense for us to be doing this. Just maybe we could have picked a better day. I don't know. It's just a tough day for us to be celebrating. It shouldn't be a game day either. Well, I don't know, man, for the statue. I mean, I, I understand thought- why that would be a game day. I do understand that you get the crowd in there, you get to, you know, people people are all riled up after seeing the statue. They want to go and watch the Lakers. They want to see a Lakers victory. Of course, we did not deliver a Laker victory against the Denver Nuggets, although we did fight tooth and nail and had a, a, another, like I said earlier in the podcast, it, this was almost a perfect replica of what the Western Conference Finals was like. Oh, cool. We'll tie the game. We'll, we'll go up one, maybe even up two. 
and then we will lose the game by eight or ten in the last three minutes. So uh, a lot of emotions from your boy. I wish I could be more concise and contrite about it, but my brain was everywhere yesterday. And maybe some Laker fans are feeling this as well. You know, especially for me, I have to be watching the coverage of the trade deadline. I have to be occupied with other teams and where they're moving. I wish I could have dedicated the day to Kobe in remembrance of that. And and then, you know, still we lose the game, whatever. Like, But I have very, very busy day, so I'm glad that we're stopping here to talk about the legend Kobe Bryant. Uh, long overdue that he has a statue. Um, very happy that it looks pretty good. Looks like Kobe, right? When you look at him, like well, it might not be everyone's favorite pose. No, but you look at that and you go, "That's Kobe Bryant for sure." Uh, they even got the tattoos on his forearms, right? Uh, to prove it, that that actually came across a little weird to me. Was the tattoo looked like he was wearing an armband on there? But uh, very happy overall. Uh, what are your thoughts? It's a great day, and it's a shame that Kobe can't see his own statue. You know what I mean? And if that's the pose that Kobe wanted, then that's the pose that Kobe gets. That's not me and my neighbor Paulie back here. We were taking guesses. I thought it was going to be the the heart. Uh, yeah. When he's pulling the Jersey to the side, I thought that was going to be it. I thought it was going to be something where he's standing on the, on the, uh, the scores table after they won. Look, it doesn't matter what I thought it was going to be. That's going to be the statue. And I think it's great. Yeah. And he's, obviously is very well deserving and that is the house that kobe built you know uh and i'm getting i'm tearing up talking about it but like i do think three statues is a little much and that's just my that's just my personal opinion i think three is 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 a lot and not saying that that kobe and Gigi shouldn't be at uh crypto or staples i mean they have a, a a beautiful statue at the crash site if i'm not mistaken is still up there um and if they're going to do three, if anybody deserves three statues, it's you. It's Kobe. Like, you deserve it. I just yeah. thought that was a lot. That was like a, a shocker. It's like you're going to drop, you're going to unveil this statue, and then you're going to, we have two more coming? So there's going to be two more of these statue yeah. unveilings? Unveilings. I I think the, the reason behind all of this is, is once the decision was made for Kobe to have two separate jerseys in the rafters, they were going to do two separate statues. That's how I feel about it. And that was decided, obviously, while Kobe was alive. Uh -huh. And then you have the tragedy befall. And now it's like, okay, well, we can't scrap the second statue because we have two jerseys for Kobe. We're going to have two statues for Kobe. And we'd absolutely need one for remembrance of his daughter as well as yes. the remembrance of not of, of the man, the father, separate from the game of basketball. So I I do – I agree. Three seems like a lot of fucking statues. It, right. it, it is. It's a lot of statues. But – I think they were already signed up for two for sure, given the fact that we put eight and 24 up side by side. No, I, I agree. And Gigi, the more I'm thinking about it is like in Lake as thinking from a Lakers fan perspective, which I'm not, but I'm a basketball fan. And that's a moment in a day that like Laker fans and, and NBA fans will never the whole basketball forget. world. The whole yes. basketball world was mourning that day. It doesn't matter right. if you're the, the Clipper fan who hates the Lakers or a Boston right. Celtics fan who never wants to see them, like wipes your ass with LA toilet paper. Right. Like the whole basketball world mourned that day. I agree. And you know, that is the house that Kobe built. And that was uh, obviously a turning point in our world. So um, being forever remembered with Gianna, she deserves it. And, uh, See, the way that I would yeah. like to do that is I think, I, and, and this obviously, this doesn't work in, in a capitalist society. I would have just loved to have the statues be on the seats that Kobe and Gigi sat in courtside the last time that they were at a game, right? Remember that? They were sitting next to each other. 
I would love the statues to just be right there. Those are their seats. No one else sits in those seats. Those are their seats. But you can't do that because those seats are $100,000, right? So like, but but if I was going to do it that way, I'd have Kobe's basketball statues outside and I would just have permanently put the two of them forever watching over the Lakers play in that arena. I, I love that idea. I also got to say, like, shout out to the Lakers for... <laughs> for everybody getting a Mamba jersey. They wore the black Mamba yep. jerseys last night. Everybody in attendance got a black Mamba jersey. Also, you got to fucking win that game, bro. Whatever it takes, you have to win that game. And you guys were so close. And I I was saying when I was watching the game, it was a one-point game. Reeves hit that big three. Yep. And I'm like, dude, it's Mamba day. They're, they're going to pull this one out. And then it was two bad plays in a row, and the game's over. Also, so, Austin Reeves. Uh, rough night for Austin. <laughs> rough night for Austin. <laughs> Uh, cause he hit that big three. Yes. And then immediately had like a bad defensive play turnover. Yeah. Like, and then it was like a bad shot. Uh, and Michael Porter Jr. is wide open in the corner. It's like, we yeah. just leave Michael Porter Jr. That's fine guys. It's not <laughs> like he's hit nine of these in this game. Totally fine. Go ahead and leave that guy open. It is what it is, man. Nothing uh, is going right on the court for the Lakers in this particular moment. I, I I'm, I'm overreacting. The Lakers are fine. Look, we're 500. We're going to make the playoffs We're gonna or the play in. We're going to make that. And I'll leave this here, right? This is my final thought. <laughs> if we're going to do all this in remembrance of Kobe, we're going to be wearing these Black Mama jerseys. Uh, I would love for LeBron to just embrace this now, right? We're talking about leadership. Kobe was a leader for a long time. Probably still would be the leader of the Lakers if he was alive, even though he's not in a jersey anymore. But LeBron is the leader of this team now. And he has done a lot to denigrate his teammates on that court to try and make them be the scapegoat for this season. Uh, I think it's now time for him to turn the page, bring them all together. And, and my, my last wish on this particular podcast is that he can, he can do that in some form or fashion say, look, this is, this is us. We're riding together. I want to pick, we need to pick each other up. I need to pick you guys up. You know, if you miss a shot, you make a turnover. You don't have to feel bad or look at me like you're. I'm, the, you know, you disappointed your father in some, you know, some some sense. We just move on, and we're going to be there for each other. We're going to come together as a group. I'm nervous because I don't think that's going to be the route that he takes with this. But that's what I my wish as I leave this podcast is that LeBron can be the leader that this team needs and bring these guys closer together as opposed to alienate them. Well, now, now. It's like, dude, y'all, everybody's safe now. Ain't nobody getting traded now. We can't trade you now. Absolutely. So, like, right now, it should be, you know, we're all bought into the season. This is the team. Whether you yeah. pick somebody up on waivers or buyout or whatever the hell it is, this is right. our team moving forward. So Exactly. So whether or not he wants to embrace it, that's going to be the situation. I'm just saying he can make it better, right? He can make it better and easier for these guys to gain the confidence the yes. back 25 end of these games that we have to go through. Or he can make it a lot fucking harder and worse, right? Ooh, and so I'm hoping too. that he he turns into these guys as opposed to turns away from them. And and I'll quick side note, I do think D'Lo was 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 certainly close to being traded. I mean, the guy didn't even work in a jersey last night. And I think the only reason he wasn't in a jersey last night, they said he had some sort of procedure on his on something on Wednesday, which is <laughs> horseshit. Yeah. I mean, yeah. come on, like that's not a procedure, an undisclosed procedure. Uh, yeah, he was on the trade block. We probably had some deals ready for him. He probably had his fucking suitcase packed. And then lo and behold, everything falls through. He's not able, uh, available to play against the Nuggets. And uh, he would have been a kind of like how Braun and AD, like they couldn't play against Boston, but we're perfectly fine against the Knicks. 
Well, yeah, you know, you have to be careful with that, uh, with that right abdicular restrictable <laughs> Achilles tendon that you have to worry those about. Those are tough. Those, those are ones, tough. You, yeah, they, they creep up on your clips. You got to be careful with those. Hey, next week is all-star game. We're going to get something out before then. Give you our takeaways. LED court. Cannot wait to see that. Next week, all-star game is the follow-through with clips. And Drew, and we're ghosts. You know what it is?